0: Hey, uh, one of my favorite sayings that you've heard me say a bunch of times, if you squish an orange, you get what? If you squish a Christian, you get what? You get Christ. You squish an orange, you get orange juice. You squish a Christian, you get Christ. That's what's supposed to happen in all this. And one of the thing, reasons I like that so much, one of the reasons it, make, it, it it's so valuable to me is because I grew up in central Florida. I grew up in Orlando before there was a lick of concrete. I'm 58 years old now. When I grew up, dude, man... We, did, we had jealousy windows. We didn't have air conditioning until I was almost a senior in high school. Man, you laid against plaster walls and on wood floors. The houses were built above the ground so air could get under. Anything you could do to stay cool and all that. And man, one of the smells we had in central Florida was not concrete like there is today. One of the prevalent smells was oranges. Oh my goodness. Didn't anybody grow up with the smell of oranges around them? Yeah, dude. Yeah, you grew up in uh, just west of me in Polk County over there. Oh, Lake County. Oh, lake County. Same different. No, I'm just messing. Oh, other, uh, that's the other side. That's what the other Mickey Mouse ear. Lake and Polk County over, cent- uh, over Orange County. It used to be called Orange County, man. My granny had 50 acres of, of citrus. We had 50 acres in and, an a, and a eight-acre lake, and it was just beautiful. You'd wake up, and, and you would smell certain times of the year orange blossoms. How many ever smelled orange blossoms? Oh, dude, the orange, the wind would blow, and orange blossoms would just go through your whole house, and it was a beautiful smell. Other times, they were harvesting, and the processing plant would be burning the oranges. We smell that sometimes now with a west wind in Fort Pierce because of Tropicana, but you would smell the oranges. How many of y'all know the smell I'm talking about, the orange processing? Doesn't that smell good, dude? And other times, oh, yeah, well, you were deprived as a child. You were not weaned on oranges, all right, so, but we we would smell the orange blossoms we'd smell the the citrus being processed and then when that wasn't happening guess what man we were eating citrus even when they built neighborhoods in Orlando they built them in the middle of orange groves. so your neighborhood was an orange grove you'd go to a neighbor. in fact we had so many oranges we used to throw them at each other anybody had a rotten orange fight before Anybody ever have hit you with an orange that wasn't rotten? Yeah. We used to throw these at cars, and I am not advocating that. I would totally kill somebody right now if they hit even my beater with an orange. But that's what we did at night, dude. We'd get a, 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 a box full of oranges, and cars would go by, and we bam! We'd, we'd try to make it go right through the windows, but sometimes we'd miss and hit the cars, and we'd take off running, and they would chase us. It was a great game at night. But not anymore, now we got a litigious world, lawsuits, injuries, you know, I don't know, I'm just, I'm joking, that's how we grew up, oranges were my life, everywhere, and so, man, when you smell that, when when I think of a vapor, when I think of a mist, I think of, how many of y'all ever take oranges and and squish the skin right now, man, and it just smells, and it's a potent smell, so when I got into James chapter 4, the last half, and I started studying it, James was saying, your life is a vapor, and I could have thought about a lot of vapors, you know, today with masks and different vapors. vapor's just a mist or a gas that goes through, so you go wherever you want to go with vapor, but I'm choosing the orange today, and if your life is just a vapor, I want you to remember to make it a potent one, man. If it's a vapor and it's only going to last, how long, if I squeeze this right now, if I squeeze this in your eye right now, it's going to hurt, right? It's there. How long is it going to last? Forever? No, it'll hurt the rest of the day, but you smell it. If I were to squish it and you smelled it, it was on you. Oh my goodness. Mm, But guess what? By the time I'm done preaching, it's gone. That's the nature of a vapor. And that's what we're talking about here is that, man, if your life is a vapor, it's only going to last a little bit of time. Dude, be a potent one. How many of y'all ever, Terry, you ever been around a potent vapor? All right, we're just going to leave it at that. Be, if you're going to be a vapor, be a potent one, man. And so, so that's the title of today's message. And again, you take it where you want to take it. But if, life, if your life is only a vapor, what? Be a potent one. Sometimes, you know what? We think our life lasts forever. It's years and years and years. But how, how much is 100 years compared to eternity? It's nothing. And in fact, God, you know what I like to tell about here? If you grab 100 grains of beach sand and put it between your fingers, that's that much. Yeah, how many of y'all would think 100 years is a long time to be alive? Yeah. And, 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 but compared to eternity, eternity is like all the rest of the sand on all the other beaches in the universe. It's years are nothing. That's why God tells us to measure our life in what? Days. He said, number your days. And the Psalms that teach us to number our days, our moments. Give us this year, our yearly bread. Is that what he said when it's time to pray? He said, no, give us this what? Day, our daily bread. So we number it in years and think we've got a long time. In an eternity, that's nothing. But he tells us to number it in days. Every day, what do you want me to do? Every moment of every day, what do you want me to do? And we do it. That's the spirit-filled life. So if your life is only a vapor, be a potent one. I want to show you what a potent vapor is. And I'm taking it out of 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. You may know it in the King James, New King James, NIV, and some other whatever. But, and I'm not really preaching on it. I just want to show you what our purpose is. Why God squeezed us. Why God saved us. Why he left us here. I want to show it to you real quick. And this is what you are supposed to be as a potent vapor. I like the way it reads in the New Living Translation. And I'll add kind of some commentary to it. But Paul was talking to the Corinthians, and you know the Corinthians. How many of y'all know the Corinthians? You know, the Corinthians, dude, you read First and 2 Corinthians, the Corinthians. They're the ones, are we allowed to eat meat sacrificed to idols? And Paul's like, dude, if, if you're not around anybody who doesn't care, go ahead and eat it. But if you're around people that care, then just don't eat it. You know, hey, are we allowed to sleep with our father's wife? No, you can't do that. You know, they, they made a list. They wanted a list of all things they could and they couldn't do. And, and Paul said, look, and First and Second Corinthians, he said, here's the deal. He said, ask yourself, is it good? Is it going to help me or help somebody else spiritually? If if, if it passes that smell test, then move on. Is it going to hurt me or hurt somebody else spiritually? If it does, then don't do it. Is it going to be habit forming? Is it going to take control over me so that at that point in time, when it has control over me, Christ doesn't have control over me? If it is, then don't do it. And then he goes on and he says... Is it honoring to God? That's probably the best smell test you can put it through. If what you're doing, is it honoring to God? But they kept saying, can we do this? Can we do this? And Paul said, okay, I just explained to you. And then they come back. Well, are we allowed to not be quiet? (laughs) Just make sure it honors God. So he tries to explain to them who they really are in Christ in this little passage. And this is just the beginning of here. And this is what a potent vapor is supposed to look like. He said, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Some of your translations say a new creation. Did you know that when you got born again, you are a brand new creation? And, and in that word become, it says you are also becoming. Because when you get born again, how many of y'all have grown since you've been born again? How many of you are closer to Christ now than, than at that point? Yeah, you grow. So there's a process called salvation, where we become a brand new creation. There is a process called sanctification, whereby we become more like Him. And, 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 and that's what He's doing in growing us. And then there's a process called glorification later which none of us have reached. I'm looking out here and none of you have been glorified yet, including me. Glorification is where we look just like him. We have no flesh nature. We are no, in heaven. That's where we get that. So when he says that this means anyone who belongs to Christ, you have become a new creation. You, and you are becoming. You became a new one and you are becoming a new one. And he says in the New Living Translation, he says a new person. The old life is gone. And sometimes the way we want to see this is we have no old life. We have nothing. And what he means, you know what's gone? You know what's gone in the new life, in our old life? The power of sin. Hey, if you're a born-again believer, do you have to sin? Hey, Chris, do you have to sin? No, we had that discussion before. You don't have to sin. And you can't say the devil made me do it. First Corinthians ten thirteen. he was saying, there's no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able. But with the temptation, he'll make a way to escape. In other words, you got to take his way to escape. You can't make your own route. So the devil can't make you do anything. The sin has no power over you. Um, the penalty of sin. Hey, when you get born again, is there a penalty for sin? Are you ever penalized again? When you're born again, can you go to hell? No, because he paid the penalty for sin. So eternally, positionally, you are set. But how many of you here would say, practically speaking, I am perfect and I do not sin anymore? Anybody raise their hand? No. So positionally, you are perfect. Positionally, you don't have to sin. You don't, there's no power over sin. There's no penalty for sin. But practically speaking, we still sin. And that's that process of sanctification, of becoming that new creation. When he says the old life is gone, he's talking about the penalty for sin, the power that sin had over you, and, and the fact that you don't have to sin unless you really want to. How many ever sinned because you wanted to? Raise your hand, because if you sin, that's why you sinned. <laughs> you sinned because you wanted to. You made the choice, subconsciously or consciously. And the more we become like Christ, the less we do that. So he says, you become a new person. The old life is gone. But as we joke around, when you got baptized, hey, when we baptized you, did we wash all the flesh off you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There must have been a lot of you. No, I'm just messing with you, bro. You're a big boy. I remember dropping you in the rip current, sucking you out. That was the most awesome baptism. And so most graceful one, I think you said, right? Yeah. Right, Bruce Lee? Remember that? You helped me as Zane's proxy. Zane, don't do that again. When I got a big guy, I need a big guy to baptize with. All right. But Anyways. The old life is gone. The penalty for sin, the, the, uh, the, the power of sin, it's not on us anymore. He says a new life has begun and continues to grow. We have a new life. And you want to live the new life or you want to live the old life? That's up to you. I got a little illustrate. Well, we'll, we'll pick it up here in just a minute. He said, and all of this is a what? Yeah. Gift. That means you didn't earn it. You couldn't earn it. It means that God gave it to you for free and you had to do what? What do you have to do, Karen? You got to take it. Yeah, because if God chases you around your whole stinking life with this gift and you never take it, is it yours? No, so if you're here today and God has been chasing you around with this gift and you've not taken it, take it. Let me just do something here. I prayed this earlier. It came up. The Holy Spirit brought it up. Bring it up here. How many here would say, I gave my life to Jesus Christ? I gave it to him, I know it's his, and it is the worst decision I ever made in my life, and it's eternal, I can't take it back. If I could, I'd get my life back and get it away from Christ. Anybody here would raise your hand and say that? No. And I have offered that, I have, I've said that, I've asked that question all over the world for 30 years, and I've never had one person who's given their life to Christ that wished they hadn't. But thousands like me that wish they had done it sooner. How many of y'all wish y'all had done it sooner? Yeah, it's a good life. It's a good life, and it's nothing compared to even the one that we've got coming. The one we've got coming is perfection. I, Eddie Frederick, will never be able to get in trouble again. That will be an amazing thing, and it probably is for some of you too. <laughs> so it's a gift from God. Look at this, who brought us back. I like this wording in the New Living Translation. He said he brought us back to himself through Christ. He reconciled us. And again, I'm not preaching on this verse here. I have kind of it's an overview, but he brought us back. You know, Ashley, stand up real quick. Just at least I'm not making you stand up on the chair and got you on a pedal. But but y'all see that right there? That's my granddaughter. (laughs) That's my granddaughter right there. No, the one inside. Not there. She's my daughter, but I'm not that old. I got a granddaughter in there, man, and I can't wait. And, And and according to what we believe Scripture says is that there's this we call it an age of accountability. The Bible doesn't say it. But we believe until what Scripture teaches, until someone knows the difference between right and wrong has to start making choices, that basically, if they die, they're going to heaven. That's why we believe little babies go to heaven. You know, people without mental capacity go to heaven and so on. But at some point, you now know the difference between right and wrong. You know... Morals, God built it in your heart, and you now make choices. If you're doubting that, let me ask you a question. How many of y'all, when you were really, really little, had no problem taking a bath with your brother or sister? <laughs> Just raise your hand. It was all of you guys, right? You, how, you, you, well, your brother was too young. <laughs> Hopefully, you, but yeah, you didn't, but, but you had no problem. How many of y'all know kids that have absolutely no problem running through the neighborhood naked? You know what I'm saying? Like, woo! Now, what if when they're 12, 13, 14 years old, they go do it? Is there a problem? Yes, Yes, there's an age of accountability. You know that's wrong, and something is wrong with you. You need to get that fixed, right? But a little kid, you guys are laughing because Gabe does it right now, right? Does Gabe care at all? No! Yeah, it's like, in fact, he wants everybody to care as much as him, you know? Yeah! But when you get older, all of a sudden, it don't sit well, does it? For a normal person, how many of y'all hit a point in time where you said, this just doesn't seem right anymore? Yeah, I hope. Dude, none of you that happened to? (laughs) I got to preach on something. First Corinthians. (laughs) No, but but literally, there comes that point, and we kind of call that sort of, at some point, it goes off, it clicks, where this isn't right. And, and and God gives us the desire, if we get saved, He gives us the desire and ability to believe that He pays for our sins. We'll get to this later, but the bottom line is He reconciles. So as a little kid, you're good, right? But then later, when you know the difference, and you know the penalty, you know that this is not right, you're walking down a path opposite of God. This is God, and this is the world, and you're walking away. And so you're walking away from God, and reconciled means that that he brings you back to him. That turn is called repentance. And when you turn to him and you believe that what he did on the cross is now his righteousness is now covering you, that's reconciliation. It's more in here. I'll show it to you. But he reconciled us to himself and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. So if he's reconciled us, dude, he's given us a gift. If somebody gives me a basket of oranges and I eat a good one, man, it's like in, in... I want to give everybody one of these oranges, unless I'm selfish. But when you get saved, you are selfless. So the good gift that you just got, you want to give to other people. Isn't that what you guys are doing down at Fort Myers? Yeah. yeah. Dude, you're giving somebody else the gift that was given to you. Man, if you get a gift at Christmas, dude, if I were to open the... I mean, I don't know what this is. This is so special because it came from Joey, man. <laughs> I, I, I'll treasure this, bro. But dude, if I'm able to, I want to share with you what this is because it's such a special gift. But salvation's the most special. He says, God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. That's the reason he left us here and didn't take us to heaven. It's not about me. It's not about all my needs being met. It's not about everything being perfect in my life. It's about seeing it from God's perspective and letting people know this is not my home. My home is in heaven. And as I follow him, man, I can have love, peace, joy, patience, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control, no matter what's going on around me. And that's an internal thing. And there's a lot of people. Do you think there's anybody that wants those things right now? Do you think there's anybody in the world that needs those things right now? We need those things. We get sucked in. Can you imagine if you didn't have Christ? Can you imagine if all you had was your own conscience and you had your own heart and your own resources Can you imagine what it'd be like living in this world right now like that? At least we have the Holy Spirit bring us conviction. At least we have other friends helping us see it from God's perspective. Can you imagine if your only perspective was the news? Your only perspective was Facebook or social media. Your only perspective was everyone else aching. Man, we've got a better perspective. So look at this. God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. So Jesus and God the Father, God the Father, God the Son were working as a team, tag team. Ha! You know they were tag team and coming to save us. God said, "I can't just forget sin; otherwise, I wouldn't be a righteous God, dude." So I'm going to actually come and I'm going to become a man, live a perfect life, and then I'm going to I'm I'm, I'm going to pay. Take the penalty of sin. And while I'm on the cross, I'm going to have God the Father just pound me with all the past, present, and future sins of the world. And I'm going to do that for you. And if you will accept the faith I give you and the grace to believe it, you can have it applied to your life. Is that not a good deal? That's a good deal. And I'll show you how much better this deal gets. He says, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us the one, this wonderful message of reconciliation in the word of God. The whole word of God is about this message of reconciliation. He said, so we are Christ what? What's the word here? Ambassador. Ambassadors. Do you understand? That's who you are. As a believer, you are an ambassador for Christ. An ambassador represents the kingdom. An ambassador shows everybody what the kingdom they represent looks like no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the situation is. And we represent that kingdom, and if people want to defect from that kingdom and come over to our kingdom, what would an ambassador do? Welcome them and show them how to do it. But they got to see what it looks like. And that's our moment by moment. That's the potent vapor we're supposed If we really were a potent vapor of Christ's kingdom in this world, Zane, do you not think that vapor would stand out? Yeah, it would stand out. And so he says, we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come back. When you were little, man, you were innocent. You were, you know, it wasn't held again. Come back to God. Come back. and and, and not be an enemy to God anymore through what Christ did on the cross. For God made Christ, who never sinned, and including when all the sin was dumped on him, he'd still never sinned. But God, uh, who never sinned, he made him to be an offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That's the end of this little passage right here. But what he's saying in there, he's saying that Christ was never a sinner, but he treated him like one. He's saying you were never righteous, but he's treating you like you are. Is that not a good deal? That is the good deal, and that's what we're telling people. This is the good deal. One day you are going to stand in front of your maker, the great white throne judgment. And it says the rich, the poor, the tall, the skinny, the short, the fat. That's Eddie version. Everybody's going to come and stand before him. They're all going to stand. And in fact, it says people are going to, who thought that, you know, because they had Morgan, Collins, Gilbert, and, you know, or they had, you know, this group, this lawyer group, they thought they would be able to come up to the, to the lawyer, to the great white throne, and they would be able to plead their, their case. And I'm better than those church people. I'm better than them. And they thought, they thought they would be able to get in on their own righteousness. But as soon as they saw the holiness of God Almighty, Jesus Christ on the throne, dude, what did they do, Zane? They ran, they cried for the rocks to fall out of them. We were wrong! Because you have a choice one day when you stand before the Maker to be judged by your own works. How many of your own works have to be wrong for you to miss judgment? One. If you have blown perfection, you are not getting in based on your righteousness. And they thought they were. And you have a choice of being judged by by your righteousness or by His righteousness. That's what this verse means. He gave you a deal. He took your sin and gave you his righteousness. And is there any other way you're going to have perfection? How many of y'all blown perfection already? How many of y'all blown perfection since you got in here? Yeah. <laughs> I know what y'all are thinking. I've been doing this a while. No, I'm just... <laughs> but literally, we've blown perfection and that's what it takes. So the only deal that's getting us in is there. And in fact, in that great white throne judgment, he says the books are opened. The books are everything that we've done, and he says a book was open, which is the book of life. And he says all those whose names were not written in the book of life go to the eternal lake of fire. You're not getting in on your own judgment, on your own righteousness. You get in on His. That's the deal He's offered. And how many of you have taken that deal? You've taken that deal. What a good deal! If you find a good deal, it was like at the beginning of this Corona thing. How many of y'all found toilet paper? Dude, and it's like, dude, go to Walmart now. Now, it's going. There's a line. Get to to the toilet paper. I'm blocking it off for, you know, Ashley, you need toilet paper. You're pregnant. We'll get you a case. You know, you find a good deal. You share it. That's really what our life is about. That's the potent vapor we have. So check this out, man. Um, for right now, I'm not telling you what's in here, but no, I really do. But, but, but here's your life, man. This is your old sinful life right here. And and here it is. Whew. You know, oh, wait, wait, got to put spray on. Oh, no, that's squirt. <laughs> and here's, oh, there's a vapor. Would you say that's a vapor? Here, you want to check this vapor out? You know what? Back in pre-corona, we'd go, that's <laughs> you, right? No, just, <laughs> But that is not cool to do right now unless you know the person really, really well. All right? Don't do that. It's not funny. All right. Dude, it's water, I promise. And if it's, it, it might smell a little bit like simple green. Because you know what? You can't find spray bottles at Walmart anymore. They're gone. So I had to buy simple green, dump it out in something else, and this is water, I promise. All right? In the past, to emphasize this, dude, I would have made this one smell really, really good and this one smell... Really I would have taken chicken and like, ro- made it rotten outside and filled it with the water to make a point, but you can't do that stuff anymore, <laughs> you know? So yeah, I promise, it's water that's in here. Just go along with the illustration, all right? And, and it's water here, cause, is there anybody here that's allergic to water before I spray it on you? No, all right. I'm just checking, dude. Peanut butter. Who would have thought they'd have been allergic to peanut butter back in our day? I would have starved, all right? But literally, I do believe it, it is actually a thing. I, I, I got to accept it, all right? We live in a different world. But here's the deal. This is your old life. It's a, you know, even as an old life, an old life that's lost and going to hell when you die, dude, it's a vapor. As soon as you make the, the vapor starts, it's, it's going away, that's the nature of a vapor. So here's your old life, and it stinks. Oh, like rotten chicken, man. Gary, you want not smell it? No, you just really don't. You're not even trusting me, are you? No. <laughs> He's been with me a few years. <laughs> All right. Chris only been around, what, a year or so? All right. Next year, he won't let me squirt him either. But, but literally, man, this is our old life. It's vapor, and it stinks. If it didn't stink when you got offered a better deal, you wouldn't have taken it. But you took the deal Christ gave you because it smelled better. So here's your life, and this is all he wants you shooting. This is your vapor for Christ. Every moment of every day, you are supposed to be a potent vapor for Christ. This is all that's supposed to be coming out. But let me ask you a question. If I've got this potent vapor dust, and then I shoot it with a little bit of me, what have I just done to the potent vapor? I've diluted it. So here it is. I'm shooting Christ, but oh, wait, there it is. What did I just do? I just diluted the potent vapor. How many of you have diluted a potent vapor before of Christ? Yeah, here it is. And, 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 well, yeah, there's a little bit of me. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, here's what we do. We're shooting our old self. and then, Oh, there's a little potent vapor of Christ. What our life is supposed to be is this. It's supposed to be this potent vapor of Christ that comes. Now, look at this next part. I just shared this with you in this. Our plans, our plans, when we make our plans, how many of y'all are planners? Dude, and, and that's okay, God made you that way. But pay attention to this, our plans, what's the next word? Dilute our potency for the kingdom of Christ. It makes the vapor of Christ less potent if our plans aren't his plans. Here's my plans, here's my plans. Oh, I might shoot a little potency of Christ in there. Is that what we're supposed to do, Zane? We're supposed to like, oh, what if we, what if like, okay, there's me, a little bit of me, a little bit of God, a little bit of me, a little bit of God. No, what's it supposed to be? God. We're born again. Chris, we're a brand new creation. The old life's passed away. But how many of y'all ever pulled the trigger on yourself a few times? We do it and we don't have to. And we don't want to if we're like Paul and why we've got this illustration why he's given us this scripture is to remind us I pray that when you wake up and you when you leave when you man I pray you'll never forget these two bottles I pray that the moment you pull your own trigger you'll be reminded of this little black bottle right here I pray that when you got a choice you'll say I'm pulling the trigger for Christ man I want the world to smell Christ I want them to, to be overwhelmed with the potency of the kingdom of Christ. But James is getting ready to tell people in a hypothetical business situation, when you make your plans and your plans become priority, even if you try to put a little potency of Christ in there, a little vapor of Christ, he said, you're diluting your potency. And if you're a vapor, how long you last in anyways? Do you have any time to waste as a vapor? No, no. If you're going to be a vapor, if he tells us you're a vapor, make sure you're a potent one. And dude, you last as long as possible. There's no reason if you're supposed to be a potent vapor, you want to dilute your vaporness. Is that a word? (laughs) Your potency. You don't want to dilute it. But that's what our plans are. Look at what James says. This is our passage where we're back in James chapter 4, start in verse 13 and 14. James makes a hypothetical situation. He says, come now, you who say. Today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there and buy and sell and make a profit. Hey, is there anything immoral about what, that, what James just said in this hypothetical situation? Is there anything wrong with doing something today or tomorrow? No. Is there anything wrong with going to such and such a city? No. Is there anything wrong with spending a year there? No. Is there anything wrong with buying and selling? No. Is there anything wrong with making a profit? No. But what's wrong with this? Where's God in this? Let me ask you a question. Who determined how long they were going to do this? Today, come now, you, 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 who say today or tomorrow. Who determined how long they were doing it for? Or when they were going to do it? They determined it. They determined the time. Who determined the location? We will go to such and such city. Who determined the location? They did. Okay? Who determined the duration on how long they were going to do it? They did. We're going to spend a year, uh, a year there. And, and who determined what their mission was? They did. And who determined what their purpose was? They did. What has to happen? Who should be determining all of this? Yeah. How many times even in the name of ministry... In the name of a church, in the name of Christianity, in the name of us trying to to squeeze out a vapor of Christ, we forget to ask him. Oh, dear God, we're going to do this and you bless it. God, here's when we're doing it. God, here's where we're doing it. God, here's how long we're doing it. This is what we're doing when we get there. And God, this is what we expect to get out of it. Now, bless this. Bless this. Instead of asking God to bless what we're doing, you know what we should be asking him? God, lead us to do something you will bless. You see the difference? I think so long, that's what we've done. And and so often, God's not in much of what we're doing because we're figuring out the time, the location, the duration, the mission, the purpose. And we're saying, God, bless this. And God's like, no, I really want you doing something else. I really want, right now, I want you doing this right now. How many of y'all are okay when God says, I don't want you to do anything. I just want you to sit right now and be quiet. How many of y'all love that? Some of y'all do. How many of y'all cannot stand it when God doesn't have something for you to do right now, at this moment? Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? When I take you guys to Trinidad, I take you to Haiti, I take you to wherever I take you, man. You know what the hardest thing for Americans to do? Is sit still and do nothing. (laughs) And sometimes when you sit still and do nothing, God's doing the most because he's speaking in your head because it's finally quiet. So, in this... He said, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go to such and such a city. We'll spend a year. We'll buy and sell. We'll make a profit. Sounds great. And we'll tithe. That's awesome. (laughs) So you've got to support that, Pastor, because we're going to tithe on this. Well, but the point is, is who determined all of this again? They did. And that's what James's point is in this hypothetical situation. So here it is. They want to do something for God. They're, they're, they're going to do all this because they're going to tithe, they're going to build a building, they're going to do all these different things, and they're squirting it. But guess what? What are they doing? What's the D word? They're diluting. Every time our plans, every time our plans go into God's plans, we dilute God's plans. If you're a vapor and you're supposed to be a potent vapor for Christ, how long are you? How long's vapor last for? Kathy, do you have time to dilute it? No. Stay potent, man. Stay potent. That's the plan. So he goes on and he even says to him, he says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, my psychic friend. (laughs) Right? How many of y'all know what's going to happen tomorrow? How many of you are wondering what the heck is he going to do next? Me, I'm just saying, it's like, when are we getting out of here? What time do you, you know, are we going to beat the Methodist to lunch? No, you're not. Just forget about that one already. But go barbecue, man. We're all going to hang out. No, but look, he says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. We don't know if there was ever a time in history where plans mean nothing. It's when? Now. Now. Do you even have a clue what's happening tomorrow? Yeah, everybody who decided to, to leave Martin County come to St. Louis. Eleven o'clock tomorrow. Martin, well, St. Louis County's having a meeting, and we can't wait to hear what they're going to come up with in their infinite wisdom in all of this. But the point is, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, dude. We don't know when your heart's going to stop beating. We don't know when there's going to be some diagnosis. We don't know when you get that phone call. We have. How many of you have ever been surprised by life? Yeah. That proves it. So he's like, you guys are presuming on God. You think you're qualified to call the shots and figure out what time, where you're going, what you're doing, what your mission is, and what your purpose is? You think you're qualified as a believer and you're going to be a potent vapor for Christ? What's it going to look like when you fail? Oh, I get it. You're going to to lower the bar, and whatever standard you achieve, you're going to blame that on God, as opposed to doing what God really wants you to do, and then saying, wow, I got to be a part of something so supernatural, there's no way I could have done it says, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Are you omniscient? Are you omnipotent? Are you omnipresent? Do you know everything? Can you do everything? How many of y'all ever made plans and, and something popped up that you didn't know was going to happen and it messed all your plans up? That's omniscience. How many of y'all ever made plans and something popped up where you didn't have the resources to really pull it off and you thought you would and it, it's all messed up? now? that's omnipotence. Omnipresence, how many times have you gone to do something and it was something totally different wherever you were? It wasn't like what you thought it was going to be. That's omnipresence. God's everywhere. He's, he follow his plan and it won't get diluted. Look what he says. Here it is. What is your life? Is it even a vapor? <laughs> is your life even a vapor? I'm giving you credit calling you a vapor, all right? <laughs> he said, James, like, are you even a vapor? Boom. He said, you appear for a little time, and then what happens to this vapor? It's gone. It's gone. It doesn't last very long. I, I really, dude, I had this bug spray that I've been using, like, and it's uh, lemon oil and eucalyptus oil. Oh, dude, it works, actually, on mosquitoes. Nothing works on no-seams, and don't fall for it at the flea market if you're not from here. Nothing works on no-seams, all right? It only works for a little bit, maybe one time, until you invest in it. And then they're going to eat it off your body. All right, but this eucalyptus, I, was, I told my wife, I said, dude, I put that stuff in this bottle. Everybody will smell it. It's a potent vapor. And my wife's like, yeah, somebody's going to be allergic to it, and you're going to get sued. It's like, don't do it. <laughs> they're going to hate it. So it's a potent vapor. shit. that stuff that you put on before you go out in the backyard? And I'm like, yeah. She says, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> It's a potent vapor, dude. Every time you smell a potent vapor, I want you to think about your purpose in Christ, all right? You're a potent vapor, and you don't want it diluted. Man, because a vapor, as soon as it begins to appear, it starts to disappear. Hey, one of the most valuable things I learned in my walk with Christ was from one of my brothers that's here, and I'm not going to call him out or whatever, but we were in a Bible study early on when we started Driftwood. And I remember I was asking some really deep question. We were in Bible study, like, dude, if you were gonna die right now, you knew you were gonna die tonight, what would you do different right now? And everybody's like, Oh, I'd do this, I'd do this. And I got to this brother in Christ, and you know what he said? He said, Pastor, we're all dying at different speeds. So why aren't we doing all this right now? And for that brother who's in here today, and I'm not going to point him out, I'm not going to do whatever, because he wouldn't want that. I'm going to tell you, you rock my world with that statement. Because you understand that? That's what's happening right now. We're all dying in this body at different speeds. We're a vapor that is going away. We've got limited time to make that impact for Christ, to be that potent vapor. We can't afford to be diluted. And yet we dilute it with our own plans. So realize the temporariness of that vapor. So what I want you to see is God's plan for you is for you to give the world a concentrated dose of Christ. Hey guys, is that what y'all been doing in Fort Myers? Do you think you've been given the world, your world where you're at, a concentrated dose of Christ? Yeah. And that's your goal, that's your mission. Hey, so do you believe God sent you there? Do you believe God God chose the time? You believe God chose the place? You believe he chose the mission, he chose the purpose, chose the duration? Yeah. And so it's not being diluted if that you're letting all those choices be up to God. But as soon, as soon as you start neglecting, listening to him and saying, all right, we got it rolling. What do we do now? Oh, yeah. Here, let me put some of my own understanding in there. Right? That's what you were talking about. Let me lean on my own understanding. Dude, what's happening to the vapor now? It's diluted. Whereas if you were just walking and walk and You know what I love so much about the mission field? Santa, you went to Haiti, man. You know what I love about the mission field? There's no Walmart or Publix. Dude, we have stuff we do here, and we run out of resources. We don't have to be resourceful. Somebody just breaks out a credit card. We go to Walmart and Publix, and we buy something that will make it all work. Publix chicken will fix everything, all right? <laughs> or a bag of balloons or whatever, some shaving cream, whatever. When we're over there, we got Jack. We got nothing. Except God. And we're like, God, what do you want us to do? <laughs> and God shows you how to use the resources he's got. We don't get to dilute his plan. But because of our resources here, man, we're always diluting his plan. And, and again, today, I want to encourage you, don't dilute his plan. Because God's plan is for you to give the world a concentrated dose of Christ. Look at these next couple of verses. He said, instead... Instead of you picking the time, the place, the, t- the duration, the purpose, the mission, and all of that. He said, instead, you ought to say, what? If the wills. We shall live and we shall do this or that. If God wants us to do it, this is what we should be doing. And, and the way it's written in the Greek, instead, you ought to say. That word say is in such a, 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 a tense tense that it means continually or habitually. So if it means continually or habitually, when do you not need to ask God what to do? Is there ever a time where you're like, okay, God, I got this. He's like, yeah, I know you do. Is there ever a time where God's that way? No, dude. James, the brother of Jesus, who spent more time with Jesus in the flesh than even the disciples did, said instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and we shall do this or that whatever, if God says, do this, do this, if he says, do that, do that, we should ask. Give him the shot. And if he says, use common sense and use it, at least you gave him the shot. But it's anything. You can ask him on, uh, you're supposed to ask him on all of it. So God's plan for you is to be a potent, to give the world an undiluted, an undiluted, concentrated, man, that's why I wanted to use that bug spray so bad. Because, dude, if I had to run through here with this bug spray, every one of you, your lunch would have smelt like that bug spray. I'm just saying, you ever had a a smell get stuck in your head, stuck in your nostrils? (laughs) Terry, (laughs) never mind. Terry sent me a thing about, never mind. (laughs) It was a dude who had his whole nose holes all full of hair, and it said, you don't need a a mask. (laughs) But that dude would have had it all full of, but... (laughs) I knew that would come out in a message somewhere. Now, <laughs> but Listen, man, that's what's supposed to happen. You know, he said, we're salt. We're salt. Dude, you put salt on cardboard. What's, what's the cardboard going to taste like, Joan? Salt. salt. <laughs> you put salt on anything, what's it going to taste like? Salt. You change the flavor of the room you're in. You, but here, James is saying it's like a vapor, Man, if you're going to be a vapor, be a potent one. Make that smell of Christ stick for as long as you possibly can. So people never forget. You're you're infamous for changing the molecular structure of that, (laughs) rearranging the molecular structure of that environment. (laughs) People always will now think of Christ when they think of you, or at least they'll think of that vapor. (laughs) Instead, you ought to say continually, if the Lord wills, Man, if he wants us to do it, that's what we're gonna do. But now you boast in your arrogance. You know what this word arrogance comes from? It comes from the dude peddling, the snake oil guy. The, the, the no seeum guy. The, the new snake oil guy is the person who comes up with the new no spray at the flea market. Oh, it's guaranteed to work. Use this, it works. Yeah, it's a phony good. That's what what that word arrogant means. You're you're so arrogant, you're boasting that something's going to happen that you have no control over. You're given a phony good. Why? Because you've come up with some plan. You know, you've come up with a plan and maybe it started with God, but then you're like, all right, I got it, God. And the rest of it's here. You're coming up with a plan, but you're diluting it with your own wisdom. You not only got to get the plan from God, you got to walk in the plan with God. You got to be empowered by God. You got to continue with God. Otherwise, it's what's what's the D word? Deluded. He said, but now, man, you just boast in your arrogance and your phony goods. And he said, all such boasting is evil. Your plan's evil if you're a believer and it's not of God. Okay, Why? Because you are wasting precious time as a vapor. Time is precious. You've got minimal time as a vapor to make an impact for him. And you're wasting it by injecting your own wisdom and your own information, your own junk, your own phony goods. He said, it's evil. It's not of God. So if it's not of God, who's it of? Satan. Well, what are you saying, Pat? Well, I'm not saying you're possessed by the devil. What I'm saying is, I'm saying that Satan does a good job at running a world system that isn't being run by God. Because, again, we talked about that last week. God's system is love me with everything you got. I will cause you to love people. And the rest will be, the the, the benefit will be to you. Hey, when you guys are out ministering out there, dude, I'm only calling you because you're yawning right now, bro. But look, man. So when you love God, he causes you to love people, right? And when you love people, is there any benefit to you? Is it like the worst feeling in the world when you love people and they see you loving them? Isn't it like, dude, golly, get this love off of me. Is that the way you feel? No, it's awesome. That's God's system. Love God. He caused you to love people. And the residual, oh, it's like I said, it's like a Haitian mango, dude. And it's just dripping all over you and everybody else. But the world system says, no, i got to love me. If I don't love me, I can't love anybody else. I've got to love me first. Again, that is a lie straight out of the pit of hell. Go fall in love with God and watch what he changes in your life. Your self-esteem will skyrocket when you know who your identity in Christ is, man. The world says, no, love me. And then if I have something, I'll go love some other people. And then, God, you might get a little residual out of that. Satan created that system. And he doesn't care if God's part of it, but that's his system. And guess what likes to participate in Satan's system? Our flesh. And then we make stupid decisions and we reap stupid consequences and then we blame the devil. And the devil's over here laughing saying, I didn't have to do anything but create the system. You're the one living in the flesh. You don't need to be delivered. You need to make better decisions. You need to be spirit-filled and do what God wants you to do. Quit deluding his plan. But you boast in your arrogance. These phony goods and all such boasting is not of God. It's your flesh trying to be satisfied in this world system. And you're following the enemy. He said, if that's a lifestyle, James said, then you better check your salvation. But every one of us fall into that, don't we? And when we realize that we're really supporting the enemy... Dude, we need to cross back over the line and quit being a part of this diluted plan. Oh, wrong one. So let me ask you a question. What kind of vapor are you going to be? Now that you've seen this, what kind of vapor are you going to be? Look at this last verse. Therefore. I had a professor back in the day. He said, whenever you see a therefore, you look at the previous verses to see what the therefore is there and this therefore is there because he went on and said, he said, man, God's plan for you is that you are a potent vapor for him all the time. But every time you inject your plans, man, you inject your plans, you what's the D word? We're diluting it. He said, you're diluting it. And he said, so man, start asking God, what do you want me to do and do it? What do you want me to do and do it? What do you want me to do and do it? and you follow God's plans, and then you don't dilute it. And he says, so therefore, because of that, to him who knows to do good. How many of y'all know it's bad to dilute your plan, God's plan? How many of y'all know that? Have I not made that clear? Have I not communicated that? I just want to make sure I've communicated that, okay? Yeah, that's all I'm supposed to really say today. <laughs> but if you know that that's good, that God, how many of you ever been a part of God's phenomenal plan and you're just stoked? It's like, yes, it's awesome. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. And, and, and so if you know that's good, but yet you don't do it, to you it is what? So if you walk out of here and you continue to follow your plans, okay, without asking God what his plans are, Here's you, man. And oh, I so wish I had rotten chicken water in here. So do the people at Windmill Village and Tom who cleans it up afterwards. So do they all wish I had that in there. But imagine rotten chicken world. But everybody's got rotten chicken water in theirs. So it doesn't stink, right? Everybody's got it. It doesn't stink until you smell what? The good stuff. So here you are, man. And and if you continue to walk out of here and just say, nope, I'm doing what I want. I've already started so I got to see how it finishes. Go ahead. Or you say, well, all right, okay, so I don't really want to quit, so add a little bit of God in there, okay? What are you doing? You're diluting it. Are you still going to get what God wants? No. I'll never forget what somebody said once about compromise, and that's what you're doing with God. When you compromise, you get a less than stellar result. How many of y'all would love to smell nice, fresh orange blossoms mixed with rotten chicken water. Boy, there's a new deodorant for us, right? (laughs) No, dude, fresh orange blossoms, man. (sighs) You know? If I were to squirt this and squirt this, which one would you run under? Yeah. When we squirt Christ, the fragrance of Christ, man, people run under it. They only run under this because... Well, that's all they know until you come along. So you've got a choice of what you're going to do. And you're never going to do anything without making a commitment and making a choice to say, you know what? I think at this point, I am going to start asking God what to do. And as best as I can, I want to do, I want to let God pick the time. I want to let him pick the place. I want to let him pick the duration. And I want to let him pick the, the purpose and the mission. I want to let him pick it all. And I know I'm not going to get it right. I know I still am going to do some of this, but maybe what if we just did a little less of this? Amen. Would everything, would this world smell better? And that's the point of this message today. Especially as this world comes after Christianity, especially as they try to make us feel stupid, especially as, as, as they think they kind of are going to figure out this answer. When we get squished as Christians, what should people smell? Christ. Christ. That's it, man. And in the an infamous words of Forrest Gump, that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> but literally, that really is what God wants me to say in that. Where is my remote? Oh, it's under my arm. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, dude, where are my glasses? <laughs> no. So happens when you're 58. You wait, Terry. <laughs> all right, so look at this, man. Just the summary of it. If your life's only a vapor. Man, James is telling us, dude, be a potent one. Our plans dilute our potency for the kingdom of Christ. God's plans for you is for you to give the world a concentrated dose of Christ. So again, what kind of vapor are you going to be? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. I need this message because, boy, I got some soap boxes. I got some pet peeves. I got some things going on right now in this world that I ain't real happy about. Until I realize you're in charge. (laughs) Until I realize that, that you have put them in my life to cause me to be more like you. Like the hammer and the chisel on that just rough chunk of granite. You're pounding away at my life trying to make me look more like you. And Father, I pray that whoever needs to see it that way would see it that way. Because I'm sure we all got things going on that we're not real happy about. And the more we respond the way you want us to respond... Father, the more you will get glory out of all of this. It's for our good and it's for your glory. Oh Father, I pray that, that man, as we walk through this world, people would have a concentrated fragrance of Christ. And the only way that's going to happen is if we keep ourselves out of it and quit spraying that smelly rotten chicken water all over everything. Father, I think if the whole world's covered with that smelly, rotten chicken water and we come in squirting the fragrance of Christ, somebody's going to notice. And they're going to decide they like that smell better. And um, we'll get to offer it to them as ambassadors. So Father, I pray that we would see everything from your perspective so that we can help others see it that way too. And I pray that in this short amount of time that we have left on this planet as a vapor, we would not waste a single moment, moment allowing ourselves to be deluded with ourselves. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.